0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Art Tenders with Mac and Dan. I am Dan. He is Mac.
1: Hello. And as
0: usual, we do this podcast in order to improve our articulation on the subject matter that is art and all forms of media. But before we begin with our topic for today, Mac, could you do us the favor and (laughs) explain the situation that I'm looking at through the Zoom?
1: Sure, sure, sure. So... Uh, because we are on our like what like third episode of, of recording from a distance, you know we, you're Remotely. you're posted over yeah you're posted over in Orlando. I'm um, I'm still over here in the DFW area. Um, I'm not at my normal setup right now, which um, is usually at the school. Like we talked about last episode, I'm in Fort Worth with my girlfriend, um, and I have I have a mic that is the same as the one that we use. Normally, the only the few differences are that um, I I don't have i uh, I don't have a room that I'm in that 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 swallows sound, um, and also I don't have a windscreen or a pop filter. Right, so, um, so I took uh, the liberty of making my own little setup, and it is a let me do the the best I can describe this. It is a yellow uh, mask like a regular covid masks um and it is tied to a an old school radio antenna and a uh square lamp and um it is it is fashioned in such a way that it, it it sits right behind the mic so that the mic can comfortably you know do do its thing and uh yeah, and I'm and I'm I'm just like okay, keep the game down and keep you, myself as close as possible to the mic. It's very funny, um, but I mean, yeah, that's that that that's what you got to do, right? That's what that's what it you got to do. It looks
0: like a project that a elementary school student would do from the 1950s. That's what I'm looking at right now.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It also, um, yeah, it 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 looks very Meet the Robinsons, um, but yeah, it uh, it it. Is honestly kind of inspired because I I went down this on um on Monday to uh to Houston um so that I could uh, be a part of a, a short film um that they were doing down there and you know we and 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 it, and it was a very safe place and like we all got tested as we went in and only the actors ever took off their masks stuff like that it was it, it was good um and they were talking about a uh <laughs> that they had a podcast um and. we were making fun of the fact that everyone has a podcast right now, because let's be honest, everyone does, right? Um, And I was telling them, I was like, hey, I mean, obviously I'll listen to yours if you listen to ours. And they said that they listened to the Queen's Gambit episode, which was was our last episode uh, we did last week. And it was uh, received super well. They were like, your podcast is super sick. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I, I was a little ki- like worried because our podcast usually run like 50 minutes to an hour ish. And, um, and all of theirs were like 20, 30 minutes. And they were like, we we actually liked the 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 length of your podcast and the way that it flows and everything. And I was like, oh, okay, well, don't listen to the earlier episodes because it's not like that. But we're getting better at it for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. And 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 so, you know, that, that that was exciting to hear. That was exciting to hear that feedback. So if, if they're listening. This one's for you.
0: <laughs> and that leads us into this week. Also really fast before we uh, get into our subject of, you know, this week, I want to insult myself very quickly. Uh, last week on the Queen Queen's Gambit episode, I referred to uh, Alma, the character's name, uh, which is Beth's adopted mother i called her beth's stepmother so please cue the failure noise failure. thank you very much now <laughs> this week mac we Classic. decided to do something incredibly different um i selected a video game uh we have done a video game before oxen free yeah and but this one is much more in the traditional sense of a game it is a japanese role-playing game titled Dragon Quest that was released in 1986. Um, But before we begin through our thoughts and the sort of backstory and the framework that this game and its development had gone through, Mac, could you inform me of your experience with not necessarily just video games, but particularly role-playing games? Because that's a very specific genre. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so I would say that my experience with role-playing role games, uh, is is very modern. It's very current. Um, uh, uh Skyrim played playing Skyrim. Um, I know it's an in, in open world type thing, and this and this, I guess you could call it open world, even though you do have to get to specific places at specific times.
0: There are specific objectives, yes. You 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 said it perfectly. There is an open world, but in the order of which you do things, it is very linear in
1: its progression. Right, right. So, um, I would say that I've I've definitely played Skyrim. Um, I have played uh, Borderlands. Um, I've played a, a, a couple of the like the super modern um, uh, ro- role playing games, and I like the idea of role playing games. It's it's very easy to to tap into b- being a storyteller. You know, it's it's just another form. But there are a lot of things that I had to get used to. So, so, something that we have talked about several times before, but not necessarily on the podcast, um, is that uh, if we picked up any game at all whatsoever, and I had played it for a couple weeks and you had never played it at all, you'd still probably be better than me at that game purely because there is a knowledge that you uh, accrue over time from playing video games. Like Your video game language is extremely strong. Do you know what I mean?
0: How you articulated it is a very common thing that happens. Uh, There are YouTube videos and essays that look at... That sort of thing. Uh, one popular series is done by a YouTuber named Rasputin, uh, and he has his wife, who never plays video games, play video games. And it teaches you a lot about understanding the language that video games teach you, but it also shows you wow, this game, like the things to do and what you need to do, is only obvious to those who are used to playing games as opposed to those who are learning to play video games. It's really, really tricky, but also really, really, really informative. So did you have that sort of experience where um, I I feel like I'm not speaking out of turn here, but with with your uh, sort of vocabulary being a little bit thinner, did you have a tougher experience, do you think? Absolutely.
1: Um, It took me a while to figure out what the... um, what I don't know what what uh, the, the way the game was supposed to be played you know what I mean um, how there was uh okay so so in, in the game right the way that you get better and the way that you keep going I, I I wasn't aware at first that the game was designed for you to die over and over and over and over and over again um, like it, it, it's not necessarily made for you to survive as long as possible because whenever you die you keep all of your experience and and whatnot at first. So like the first, you know, few hours of you playing the game, it's normal for you to die repeatedly. Um, and I, I at first I was getting frustrated and then I was like, oh, that there's no way around that. You you kind of have to get over that at first. Um, and then another big thing is that in the game, uh you only are able to uh, uh, uh succeed and and get better whenever you level up whenever you get more experience whenever you get more health points things like that um and you can't get those unless you're constantly fighting and so I would see it as a loss or as a burden at first whenever i would be traveling from one place to another and i would run into an animal or i'd run into a monster or something that i had to fight and i was like oh my gosh is there a way for me to get around this and then i was like oh no no no! i'm looking for those that's what gets me higher in the game i need to find those like it's not it's 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 not a bad thing to run into villains it's like oh if i didn't have those then i couldn't beat the game so i have to do that Um, And so like the higher level that I got, the more it was like, all right, like now now I'm intentionally going to places because I know those places have loads of monsters that are my level. You're you're nodding your head. You you know what I mean?
0: Uh, Yes. I mean, there were multiple times during this game because the uh, sort of curve, the leveling curve, as it's called, wasn't perfect, right? So you may like complete one area In this game, you may complete one dungeon. And so then you're at this one level. You're like, cool. And you go to the next dungeon. And then all of a sudden, everything is whooping you. And you're like, what the hell is going on? Okay, so then you need to go back to like the previous dungeon or like stick it through in the newer dungeon and just basically purposefully encounter a bunch of enemies just to get stronger. But that, that actually perfectly segues... Into my next question, which is the basis of progression for a lot of RPGs, uh, especially turn-based ones, for the most part is not necessarily you getting better, like you the player, but it is also your character getting better, right? You play something the perfect example is Super Mario Brothers, right? It's not like when you're playing that game, Mario is getting any stronger. The only person who is getting better is you, the player. But that's a very different thing in RPGs, especially this one where there aren't a lot of options in battles. So for the most part, what you're doing when you're level two is basically going to be the same thing as you're doing when you're facing the final boss of the game. Yeah. So... That leads into my question, Mac, of how did you feel, uh, and I mean, this goes for multiple RPGs too, but how did you feel about the sort of progression that the game put you on, Uh, and did it feel rewarding in the sense of even though you weren't changing maybe your battle strategies towards the end, if you want to get into detail of that, yeah. that did it feel rewarding that your character did get stronger and that one enemy from a while ago that would kick your butt is now just fodder. Did that feel rewarding?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um it was weird at first because I I I'm used to playing skill-based games. I'm used to playing games that require me to have some sort of skill. Um and and to be honest, I'm I'm kind of used to sucking at those types of games. Um, so like when, whenever we play together, that that's usually where you end up killing me is because I, I I can do strategy all day long, but a lot of games require you to have a certain type of skill set that I don't have. Um, so like whenever you're playing Super Smash, for instance, um, you it would take me years to get better than you um, because y- you just you have the, the skills required and the like the agility and the mental dexterity to to be successful in that game and in this game they just like you said there's not that at all there's there's no options It sorry there, there, there's no um uh skills really to have other than just decision making and so that actually was really nice because all the games that i'm that I enjoy playing on my own. This is so revealing, and I'm very, I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed to reveal this because I, I'm, I get shame for this often. But the games that I play the most in my free time are EA games. I know that EA sucks. I, I agree with you. But like 2K, Madden, <laughs> all that stuff. That's, that's usually my wheelhouse. FIFA. Um, and with those, my favorite part is not the skills part. Because I mean that's okay, but it's it's mainly the um whenever you start a career mode or whenever you uh whenever you make a team or something, like the strategy behind it is the most fun part for me. So this was reminiscent of that and that, that was nice. Um but it uh yeah, I, I think that it um was it it was rewarding whenever I would get more things to help me in the strategy uh it, it was it was frustrating at first dying so often because your only option to heal yourself or to defend yourself is running away you like you have to flee for the first couple hours you play until you are able to get spells um that 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 heal you during battle um or or armor um and uh, so, so I think that was rewarding when, whenever I was able to get s- spells for the first time. And like my very first battle with, um, oh, I forget what it's called. Is it mid-heal?
0: Uh, there is a heal spell, which like does like 20 to 30 uh, sort of like health given to yourself. But then you get mid-heal a lot later yeah. in the game, which gives you so much health.
1: Right, right, right. And the second that the first battle that I fought using mid heel like against one of the uh, the like abhorrent knights or something was so rewarding that that was a really awesome feeling because I was like, oh, I just got really fucking good at this game all of a sudden, you know. Um, So, so one question that I had um, is that you were talking about how you wanted to play this game because specifically the first version of this game. Because apparently there are several versions after this game that are kind of around around the same thing. So I'd I'd like to hear about that. But also, um, it's funny to me to hear that this is the first game of its kind because, in my mind, this is the Pokemon style. Like, this is the Pokemon style of gaming. So I'm curious, um, did this come before Pokemon? Whenever you say it's the first of its kind, what kind are you referring to? I I, I guess would, would be the question.
0: So this came out around, I think, a little over 10 years uh, before the first release of Pokemon. Like I said, this game came out in 1986. Uh, There were already some role-playing games that were out beforehand, and they were predominantly Western role-playing games. The biggest example is one that's not even played on a computer or anything like that. It's Dungeons & Dragons, right? But... What makes both Dungeons & Dragons really cool but also really, really intimidating to learn and understand is the amount of rules, right? Mind you, you can, like, forego some rules, but, I mean, there's a whole textbook to learn this one game. So it it feels like a lot, uh, even though there's a, there's an immense creativity. There are also uh, different Western RPG games like uh, Ultima or Wizardry that was popular at the time, but those were for people who, I I don't want to use this word, but I'm just going to go ahead and use it because I can't think of another one off the top of my head, but more hardcore. Those who are really willing to sink in a lot of time and and patience and hours into those games. So the creator of Dragon Quest, this series, Yuji Horii, he wanted to make a role-playing game first of all, that was more accessible and role-playing games were not big in the Japanese market. Now, when you think of role-playing games nowadays, the first game that pops into my head is Final Fantasy or Pokemon. Those are two games that come from Japan and they owe a lot of inspiration and credit to this very first Dragon Quest game, which helped introduce an entire audience to the genre. And so when you look at some Japanese RPGs that are coming out nowadays, you see a lot of inspiration and its roots from the very first Dragon Quest game. Even if, you know, you play... Even if, like, if you you look at Final Fantasy and they go through very similar things. You either attack or use a spell. It's very bare bones, at least in the very first Final Fantasy. Um, But... You can The inspiration is clearly there. And then these series just grow from there. Uh, in the Dragon Quest series, they just released the 11th mainline version only like a couple of years ago or so. But they've had multiple spinoffs as well throughout these uh, 34 years of uh, its existence. But that leads me to my question to you is that the original creation it spawned from making it more accessible right so did you while playing this game find it to be i don't want to ask if it was easy but did you find it to be accessible uh did you find yourself having a hard time playing your playing this game what was your experience in the in the doing of it? um
1: i would say that it, it was accessible um I I I think the toughest thing is that um, it was it's it's a very reading heavy game. Um, is that is that as you're playing it, ninety percent of the game is you reading is you reading what's happening rather than seeing something actually take place. You never see you never see warriors actually go into battle you only see a picture of the monster, things like that, that I, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be any different. Um, uh, but but that is a huge difference maker that I think is taken for granted often. I think that that, that was the biggest hurdle um, in terms of accessibility that like, for, for instance, if I was trying to get someone, a, 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 like a friend of mine or something that had never been... Um, that had never really played video games, or wasn't super interested in this, or didn't have any stake in it, then it that that would probably be the hardest part in terms of enjoyability and um, a- actual uh, an actual gameplay. W- which I, I I think that's also a very good segue to to the next um, to the next question that I had for you. I am curious to know um, what the evolution is from Dragon Quest one through to what like 11, 12 or 13 I, I can't remember even what number they're on right now but over time how do they decide to uh, uh, like uh, what, what what do they change what what do they decide is uh, less accessible and more accessible how do um, how do these types of games uh, it, it evolve and get better and I'd like to talk about that. When we come back from a little word from our sponsor, cool. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Artenders with Mac and Dan. So, where we left off was the evolution of uh, uh, the game Dragon Quest, right? So, so, uh, or, or maybe even just the genre of the role playing game. So, um, we have Dungeons and Dragons that is is the first real true role-playing game there's like choose your own adventure games and everything but the first role-playing adventure game really is dungeons and dragons that that's, it may
0: be the first one if it's not it's certainly one of the first and it's been around for a very very long
1: time sure e-e- either way the most popular by a landslide um and it comes out in 1974 um and then dragon quest the first dragon quest uh is published by enix correct in 1986 and then uh, uh, remastered and and published again under Nintendo, which, again, heady play, like you'd say, um, in 1989, correct? Oh, go ahead. I need to correct you. I oh, need please, give, it to, give they,
0: it to me. So I think Nintendo did publish it, right? But just to release it on their console. But, oh, I see. But that wasn't a sort of recurring theme that would happen with Enix. Uh, they would either just publish it, I imagine under their own name, but then eventually would uh, merge with a company called Squaresoft, which was known for making Final Fantasy in 2003 to make Square Enix. So, I mean, it was the case with the first Dragon Quest that they were published by Nintendo, but, Oh, uh, they still Enix and rather Square Enix now still had the rights to their own game. Yeah. So that's why we were able to play it on our cellular devices. Oh, I see cuz they were opposed able to, it to, to having it just be on a Nintendo
1: console. Right. Okay, okay, okay. So you, you said it was a, it was a recurring theme so Enix would publish and then they'd let Nintendo publish it later on. They would
0: develop it um but Really? I mean, the publisher is there to just give them money and right. give them the opportunity okay, okay. to put them on consoles. That's genius then,
1: that they were that they were able to consistently like that they were able to keep Dragon Quest, the the brand and
0: Oh, oh, I have a live connection on the air. So, the first Dragon Quest, I I can't say for certain with other Dragon Quest, but it was actually, and I can't believe I was so dead wrong with this. Uh, It was actually developed by Chunsoft. You may know, and when I say you, I mean the audience member. I don't expect you to know this, Mac. (laughs) But they're probably known the best right now for mystery dungeon games, uh, as well as the first five Dragon Quest installments. Mm -hmm. And so Dragon Quest, as it was called in Japan, was actually published by Enix, which would then become Square Enix in 2003. In North America, it was was published... It was published through Nintendo, and it was actually called Dragon Warrior Warrior. in order to prevent confusion from a pen-and-paper game that is also under the title Dragon Quest.
1: Oh, what what, what do you mean by pen-and-paper? Like it's like a board game? I'm just telling you what
0: Wikipedia is telling
1: me. (laughs) Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, okay, I imagine weird.
0: in the same vein as Dungeons and Dragons. I am in, in my sort of head canon, my sort of head connotation and denotation. I would imagine Dungeons and Dragons to also be a pen and paper RPG where right, right. you are not playing it on a game. It's not a it's not a game you play on yeah. a console or a computer of any sort. It is a game that you play in your head and with a
1: pen and with a paper. So, uh, Dragon Quest comes out in. Japan in 1986, 1989 in America in, in North America. So from there we, we have we have enough information up to there. What happens after that? Like they they released this game like I was talking about it it feels very Pokemon style meaning that um you you encounter a monster and that monster is just a picture and then you and then you either choose attack, spell or flee and that's that's the game. How does it evolve from there?
0: Um, I mean, it evolves in multiple ways throughout the years. I cannot speak to other Dragon Quest games because I purposefully picked this game, not just because it so- sort of set a precedent for other, at least Japanese RPGs, mostly Jap- Japanese RPGs, but then also Western RPGs would take influence here and there. But uh, I picked this one not only because it set that precedent, but because I had actually never played Dragon Quest game, but I have played Final Fantasy games, I have played Pokemon games, as well as I just played a Persona game this year, all very popular Japanese RPGs. And even with the Persona game this year, with Persona 5, there are still sort of random encounters that like a bigger enemy would encounter you. And once you get like teleported, quote unquote, to this battlefield, where the actual enemy kind of splits into more enemies. So it's still this sort of random encounter of... You don't know which enemy in particular you're facing off against. But you know that... Okay, in that moment I'm going to go into battle. Not like, okay, I'm taking a stroll. Whoops, I'm in a battle. Which is also still really a thing that goes on in Pokemon games until extremely recently. Uh, where you would be walking in grass... And all of a sudden, there's an enemy, a Pokemon, just a random Pokemon encounter that uh, happens upon you. So this is a super popular trope that happens still to this day that is common practice in so many RPGs. But this kind of goes into my sizzle serve a little bit in regards to the very first Dragon Quest. Where the experience that I had playing this game the best way I can put it, and it is both a sort of critique and a praise to this game at the same time, while playing this game... It just makes me want to play other RPGs. Right? (laughs) So, what it does, what it does, (laughs) gives me a little bit of the fix. It gives me a little bit of, okay, my character's progressing. Ooh, and and the beautiful thing for me about character progression RPGs is you beautifully stated it earlier it's the accessibility and openness to more options. Yeah. If you think about like endgame, uh, sort of uh, moments where you have all these spells all these abilities all this armor yada 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 and if you think about if you started the game with all that the game would have been easier sure but in terms of intaking information intensely overwhelming even with the pretty simple game pretty bare bones game like this and so i got a little bit of that fix but then again like i just said this game is really bare bones this game is super duper simple. Even though you would get more options, it those options would hardly be worth anything, right? You get a fire spell that is—I think it's called fizz or some or sizz. It's just something with zz in it, and it's useful for a little bit. But then you're like, okay, wait, I actually have to save my magic points in order to heal myself more often. And actually, I do more damage with my regular weapon, so forget that spell. It immediately becomes useless. There are other games that refine their sort of progression in both its storytelling and uh, leveling-wise, character-wise, gameplay-wise, so much better. I don't blame this game for doing this, I don't want to say this poor of a job, Um, because it was one of the first to do it in this way, right? Not one of the first RPGs, but one of the first RPGs to do it in this manner that you could just play with a controller and you don't have to stress too much of, am I going to die? Am I going to die? Because dying is not that big of a consequence. You lose half your money, but you don't lose a life or anything like that. And you keep all of your experience, as you said. So that's not a major consequence, but... This this game presents a few ideas, like the random monster encounters, and the variety, a kind of variety of some enemies, and the variety of spells that you could use and the way to attack and the options in battle oh maybe I can use this item to do this one thing it's also some interesting moments in exploration where for some reason I don't think the game ever tells you this which we'll get into that in a moment uh, in terms of presenting you information to continue with the story because that's one of the biggest faults in this game but there's a moment where you have to go through this poisonous swamp to find a little uh, like trinket, right? A little token in order to progress in the game. And that's cool, but it feels like this game has some ideas that just needed to be grown into something more where there are multiple games that do it so much better. They don't necessarily have to be longer games as this game is rather short, yeah probably putting it at around 10 hours long, I think, which is short for a role-playing game, that is incredibly short, but there are plenty of other games that give you that sense of player empowerment yeah. that are RPGs so much more. And so, playing this, I'm just like, man, I just I want to play Pokemon or I want to I want to go back to Persona, right? Because it it presents ideas but because the ideas are so new at least to these developers at the time they're hardly fleshed out and so it leaves with a rather bare bones gameplay experience in the grand scheme of things but it still helps you appreciate oh so this is where it comes from. So like I said, it's the biggest critique, but also one of the bigger compliments that I can give this game that it gives me inspiration to play something else. You have something on your mind? Well,
1: I was going to ask you a question. So um, have you gotten into jigsaw puzzles at all recently or or over the pandemic? Was Was that ever a COVID... Uh, pastime for you
0: i certainly had uh the idea to do so but i never fully committed to buying a jigsaw puzzle set why do you ask
1: um because the game playing the game felt a lot like jigsaw puzzles um in, in, in a general way that it it just required so much patience um but uh that there was little to no stakes there was never any stake because there there there's nothing really bad that could happen to me once dying wasn't a, was like part of the game it was like oh you got to die to keep to, to get better it, um then there's not really ever my heart never starts racing or anything i'm not like oh i want what's going to happen i'm just like oh okay now it's just like figuring out what to do next i guess yeah and and so and so i i think that it's also like you have you have to you know you, how, how do you start a puzzle? You have to find the borders first, all all the side pieces, and then build the border. And so you're like, okay, this is, the, and, and that's just like looking at your map, right? And then you have to, uh, and then you have to just like pick the most obvious place on on the board to go first and start building that place. And like, and and so it it kind of worked the same where you're just trying things out and dicking around until something fits. Um, And that, and I think that leads into what you're talking about with the reveal of information. The that it's it's just so, um, it's just so strange. I want
0: to say really fast. It's both frustrating and rewarding. The trickling, the trickling of information that this game gives
1: you. Yeah, because at first, really, your only option, your only option for a while is to just start walking up to random people in random towns and clicking on them until they tell you something. Um, Until you finally find one that gives you some sort of information. And so it actually like kind of made me laugh a couple times (laughs) because it was just funny imagining if a person in real life like continuously walked up to like 50 strangers and just walked up to them was just like, hello, do you have something for me? And they're like, Man, things are crazy these days, and then they just walk away because that's what I kept having to do. It was very funny to think about. There was, it was weird transition. Have you heard
0: this specific thing that's happening in this specific town that, oh, if you find a way to like walk through this door, like some crazy thing will happen? Have you heard about that? No? Okay, well, cool. You have a nice day. Good to see you.
1: Exactly right. It was, it was very funny to think about. And also just like the rudeness of the warrior every single time that they were just like, you have nothing for me. I, I I can't gain something from it. Okay, goodbye. That was a very funny concept to me. Um, but yeah, uh, that was. I I I will say that I went the wrong way on the map at first because I started going. Um, I didn't go to the corner first. I started like venturing super far away, and I and I was like, and I didn't realize that I had gone the wrong way or that I had maybe taken a wrong turn or that I had gone too far for my liking until I went up against like random monsters that I was like, I would hit, they would be like one damage point and then they'd kill me in one side. And I'd be like, Oh, I got to go back. I got to go back. Um, what would you say was the, re- the most rewarding and maybe most random time that you stumbled upon information in the game? Do you remember any specific time like that?
0: There are a few buildings and towns in this game Or just like a staircase that's just like hiding in a corner or something that you're like, wait a second, there's an entrance right there, and you find that entrance, and there's a merchant inside, and the merchant is, this happens, I think, in a town in, like, the southeast, and the merchant inside is like, hey, I got these keys that can open any door. You want some keys? And it sounds really suspicious, but you're (laughs) like, oh, sure, I need these keys, because throughout the entirety of the game, you come across doors that just can't be opened. You just can't open doors until you have keys for some reason, but whatever, that's not the point. And so, like... It felt, the game felt rewarding when I would get a bunch of keys, go to this one door that I just happened to remember about in another town, go through that door. And then there's a character inside that'll be like, Hey, uh, this grave in one town, that's where you kind of need to go for your next item. And I'm like, cool. That's, this feels really rewarding that my exploration was rewarded. There was also like, uh, one of the caves in the game where if you go towards the center of it. There's a door, and behind that door, there's actually a boss battle uh, that you can do to save the princess of the land. Uh, Whatever the land is called, I already forgot it because that's how forgetful it is. Uh, Forgettable, excuse me. And I'm like, oh, cool. Getting the keys, I can open that door now. And once I was strong enough, I was able to take down that boss. And that's a really rewarding feeling. But when the game feels like BS, is when the moment I realized if. I kept track. If I had written down every little thing that each of these characters told me, this game would be easier because you don't know that at the very beginning, you don't know like some useless piece of information that somebody in a town in the Northeast is telling you is actually relevant to what you need to do in a cave in the Southwest. And and so at least for me when I'm playing a game and when I'm just reading through a bunch of characters dialogue, I'm reading for specific information that's being stuck out to me, but it's, it's the sort of information overload that happens with you at the beginning of this game because it just exposition dumps. You start the game and immediately it's the king telling you the, the terrible predicament that, that the whole land is in. You're like, Okay, I don't care, but yeah. I mean, there's nothing else I can do in this game except go yeah. fight. Like, so like the first sure? two sentences
1: of the entire game are some of the most important, and I accidentally skipped past them a few times. Like every time that I would, that I would, like, because I, I started the game a few times because I kept like trying to get all the information, but I kept accidentally clicking past it, and I was like, oh shit, I gotta go back. So the
0: issue, the issue with it all is that. When when somebody, when a random character in some town gives you a piece of information that actually means something, that becomes something, it's always going to feel rewarding when you figure it out, no matter what, right? My issue with this game is that it felt like... Because there's really just one quest, right? There aren't yeah, no. any side quests. There is just one thing to do throughout this game, and that's kind of it. So... There isn't, like, any sort of other information these characters could give you for this, like, other hidden cave that's not related to the main quest. So my issue is that it felt like the main quest was barred behind just random characters telling you this seemingly random thing that you read five hours ago, uh, two days ago, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And how this game expects you to either have it be remembered perfectly in your mind or have it written down. Which may have been fine 34 years ago. Maybe right. they probably played these games with pen and paper. And and I think that's like the optimal experience. But and, and perhaps, yeah, it would have been more enjoyable. But I think it's also a critique of the game that I don't want to play it with a pen right. and paper. And that's not just me being... You know, full of myself, that's just, like, design your... I don't want to say design your game better. Get over it. But it's... (laughs) How do you present information that doesn't feel like the player is removed from their own agency? And so it goes back to, you know, you unlock this piece of armor, but the previous piece of armor... uh, You unlock the strongest armor, right? And the strongest armor... Uh, it allows you to walk through these poisonous swamps, as well as it heals you when you're walking around. In the magic it. armor, but yeah. it doesn't exactly well. There's the magic armor. The magic armor tells you explicitly it'll heal you when you walk. Cool. When you get the the next piece of armor, I think it's called like the Erdrik's armor or something. Oh,
1: oh, oh the the got the legend of the right. Okay.
0: Exactly, but it doesn't tell you that it heals you when you walk. So, the first time I got that armor, I was like, I'm not gonna put that on. It also doesn't tell you that you can walk through poisonous swamps either uh, without losing your health. So once again, it's just like, wh- why am I going to put that on for just like a four, a plus four difference? It's, it's very minimal in terms of what I actually need for my character. But it's actually part of the progression of the game. To yeah, then put on to, that right. armor, to then go to that specific giant poisonous swamp, to find this one little thing right there so you could prove to someone that you're some hero's descendant, which they just throw around this name as if it should be <laughs> right. important to me. I couldn't give less of it's a like, shit.
1: I, yeah, I was never told that I needed to care about this Um, un, 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 unless I went to a random person in a random town. And, and uh, you, you know what? I think that what you were just talking about is the exact reason why... I wouldn't call this an open world game, and and I think that was what was so hard for me to understand for a while, and that might be the big biggest difference between playing it now and playing it, you know, th- th- thirty four years ago, is that um, whenever we see the map, whenever we see all the different people and all the different towns, whenever we see the level system, all that kind of thing. It feels it, it gives us this feeling of oh this is an open world game like we know this is the Skyrim this is the Borderlands this is the Dungeons and Dragons blah 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 and what makes those open world games is that it's not just that you have options in battle but you have options everywhere you go
0: in exploration
1: explore right you can explore and and you can and exploring comes in the form of uh, figuring things out about d- different places, going on different quests, things like that. And because, uh, as the title suggests, there is only one quest, and it is the Dragon Quest, it uh, it takes away <laughs> the options, and... Boo! I'm sorry, look. Well, it, 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 more specifically, it's Dragon Quest 1, implying that there's only uh, yes, one storyline. Um, to kill the Dragon
0: right. Lord, because that's how original they are with those names
1: i know but hey look it was a big deal at the time um but yeah all all of a sudden it's not an open world game anymore because there's no exploration really to to be made you're just going to different places on the same quest doing the same thing so it feels it feels linear even though it's technically not it is it still is um and that I think
0: it, it, yeah, the, the, definitely the game gives you the sense of openness, but the yeah. exploration and the progression of the story and the game is so linear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it I wouldn't I shouldn't say it like betrays your expectation, but you do open that map thinking one thing of oh I can go to that town oh the enemies over there are really strong like it does a clever way of barring you from areas, but that doesn't mean the gameplay experience itself is open which is okay i don't think that's a sort of criticism on the game that's just how it was done and i think it was done cleverly and it's a very common thing that that was going on not just over 30 years ago but with some games that are that are open today i mean you open up a map in a pokemon game but you're still going to travel in a straight line more or less right so it's it's just the style of it
1: yeah absolutely um all in all, we've played the game we we understand its historical importance, things like that. You said that you were inspired to uh, you're inspired to play other role-playing games are those games and you and you listed a, a few but none of the ones that you listed are the next dragon quests. Are you interested at all in continuing in the Dragon Quest series or would you just skip straight to 11 or something?
0: I'm. I, if I were to play, for example, Dragon Quest 2 next, it would stem from the curiosity of how the series progresses, not because of just wanting to play Dragon Quest 2, right? There's nothing pulling me to play Dragon Quest 2. It's only to see how the series develops as a role playing game because. Uh, eleven looks like a very entertaining game for me to play. But yeah. I there's a sort of joy, I don't know why, that I get from starting at the beginning of a series and then seeing it evolve to be more and more. I think now I've played through most of the mainline Pokemon games, just to use that example. And for me, it's fun to see how how the first game was and then just slowly grow from there because it also each game introduces something new to you mechanically. Yeah. And you have the first Pokemon game, then you have the second one introduces a few new types, the third one uh does, you know, some other things differently, it gives you new exploration puzzles. In the fourth one it does different thing uh battle mechanically, and the fifth one it does this, like it it does new things throughout each time. So I would just be curious to see where the series in terms of Dragon Quest would go if I were to keep playing. But uh, in terms of just looking at this one individual game itself, I don't think this individual game really does itself any sort of favors. Like it's it's interesting because I found this game to be entertaining, but it is also, I think it's fair to say a pretty boring game. Yeah. Uh, I imagine super exciting 34 years ago, and I don't want us to forget that context. Oh, you have time. But w- we're naturally going to have to look at it with the lens of today and see how it ages to today. And even though I find it to be a little bit fun, but just naturally because I enjoy character progression, uh, but there are some issues with it, and it's just it's boring, and you're doing really the same thing from the very beginning of the game to the very, very end, and very, very, very little has changed. Even even though you get a bunch more options, you're still doing the exact same bare-bones thing, and the sort of battle strategy doesn't change at all. That's my biggest issue uh, with this game. What what are your uh, final thoughts, I guess? Uh, I, I don't want to end it perfectly right here, but I, I I'm curious, like, what's your biggest takeaway now
1: yeah, from yeah, yeah. Dragon Quest. Um I I would say that it uh more than anything um it it winds my appreciation for uh, v- video games. I I'm very interested in video game history. For me this was as enjoyable as reading a it, well a more enjoyable version of reading a video game textbook. Um this felt like a Blast of the past, like learning about the roots, more than it was a um, an, an actual experience that I would often do in my free time, um, and 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 I think it all comes back to amount that you have to read, the uh, uh, the effort that it takes, and the patience that it takes. Um, I think that's something that is is honestly. Um, maybe the most seductive part of of really all media nowadays whether it be video games or or film or theater or whatever is that um they they don't require the audience to have any sort of patience and this game definitely does um and so that i think has been a uh uh was was a very specific thing really all i can say about it because because the just like you said i I've already kind of, I've already, not kind of, I've already totally forgotten most of the names of the places and the uh, characters and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, are, are, are there any more uh, questions that you have specifically, yeah?
0: It's not so much questions, but I, I agree with you that um, the story was immensely forgettable, but it's also, like, even though they tried to do things with the story, hell, at least it has a story in the first place. And that's True. probably not the case for some of the games at the time. And yeah. it's so uh, trope and it does damsel in distress, which is so tired nowadays. <laughs> um, but I'm, I think at the time, uh, it was really exciting, especially for the creator. I'm going to read this quote really fast, uh, courtesy of Nintendo Power, rest in peace, um, that the creator, Yuji Ori, said which was I decided to create a system that was easy to understand and emotionally involving and then placed my story within that framework. So even though the scenario itself, right, the scenario storytelling of me being a hero, being an adventurer, that's really exciting. The story itself within it is very boring. Um, But remembering the context, it could have been super exciting 34 years ago. Yeah. Really fast. Please. I want to uh, finish off with these thoughts um, before we, we actually start to wrap up. Uh, uh, it's both my gold medal and my my biggest my biggest issue with the game actually.
1: But both? Yes. okay.
0: My gold medal goes to the one who did the art and the character design for this game, Akira Toriyama. You may recognize his art style from Dragon Ball. Oh. It is the same artist, and he still works on Dragon Quest games to this day. Dragon Quest has this look thanks to this individual. And it was cool for me to stumble across a new enemy and be like, Whoa, look at this funky thing! Oh, like that was that was a fun experience for me. But also, my biggest issue with this game was how forgettable and just like it just not good the music was. Yeah. The music was insanely sort of I hope you like hearing, you know, those first three notes again and again and again and again and again and again it never ends. It's very frustrating.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the 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 um it was very very lazy. And also if you're going to have because it, it would make sense to me, the, the the um the imaging and the modeling for this game, I think, was okay. Like the the sound effects, or whenever you come across recurring things, that was okay. But but just the general background music, if you're going to have music playing the whole damn game for hours and hours and hours, you should at least make it something catchy. Like I, I think that. Just write better music. Right. Yeah, like considering the
0: limitations of what they were working with 34 years ago, I think there are only, and I kid you not, eight songs yeah. in, in this game, which is you can make something work with that. Right. But none of those songs or, are yeah. fun to listen to, and that's really frustrating.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it also just puts you in a, in a piss-poor mood um, while you're playing the game because there's supposed to be some sort of adventure that's just false, that's just not there.
0: And you have this little tiny slime you come across, and you have this bombastic, really uh uh dangerous music that isn't good in the first place, and you're like, this doesn't fit.
1: Right, you're like, well, yeah, yeah, it's super annoying, and um that, that that that's something that Pokemon got, I mean, right on, hit the nail on the head, um was was music, uh and this one just did not land, which which is upsetting because that in my mind is such a big part of not only role playing games but specifically like this this 80s japanese style of of gaming um yeah so that that that's upsetting i think that the, tra- the transition to the iphone was stellar there was nothing i i think lost in in playing on the iphone which rocks by the way and i and i i agree with you i did love the uh the, the, the look and style of the game. It's always funny to me whenever I look at a character for so long in like the grainy pixelated version of the game. And then the app like has the picture of the character. And I'm like, oh my God, is that what the main character is supposed to look like? It was so funny to see. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was kind of funny.
0: At the end of the day, Mac... After playing this game, and I also agree that the iPhone port was uh, a very good one, and if you were to play this game, I would recommend playing it on the iPhone port. Um, but I want to get to your final thoughts of, would you recommend this game to another individual? Uh-huh.
1: Um, I would say, I, I, I definitely recommend it to uh, to veterans. To... Uh, seasoned video game players um, especially in that in that uh, very specific Japanese style of gaming Mario um, uh, Pokemon you know I don't want to say Yu-Gi-Oh but Yu-Gi-Oh that that style of gaming Uh, I I would say people that are are, that have played a lot of you games It, it is a very 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 interesting look back. Um, into what uh, video games used to be like, um, and also what the, the the roots and where everything started. What what the game was supposed to be in the first place. Um, and for uh, people that are just getting into video games, I, I, I don't think I would necessarily recommend it. What what would you say? Uh,
0: if I wrote a book, that it w- it would be a little little cartoony little kids book. And on the front, it would be titled uh, Baby or Kid's First Japanese RPG. Uh, I would definitely not put Dragon Quest One on the cover. Because uh, I, I also agree that I think it's it's... I view it for somebody who wants to specifically take a look at the past and see where a lot of the tropes and inspiration for other games started. And I think that's the big drawing factor for this game. And not much else because when it comes to other games that are made nowadays, uh, Dragon Quest 1 is, like I said multiple times, fairly bare bones. And even though it's not bad, I don't think it's good enough for you to even sink your time into. Even though the time you have to sink into in order to beat this game is relatively low for RPGs. I would recommend... Uh, a different RPG if you were to play your first one or if you were just looking for other recommendations in general, uh, like other RPGs to play. Um, even though it's fine, at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's fine. It's a good look at the past, but I would hardly classify it as anything
1: else. Um, I'm going to have to now. yeah.
0: what are we going to do next time?
1: That's a great question. Well, I, I, I did want to say that... Um... So, so we have uh, quite a few people that we have up up on the docket in terms of like, we have quite a few people that we, that we want to collaborate with. Um, our Rolodex
0: is getting a little bit thicker by Yeah, tr- the day. truly,
1: truly. Um, and I want to add one more. So we have our two friends, Izzy and Hannah, who we're going to have to watch Barbie Nutcracker with. Um, M- Matthew and Amber, who I think wanted to watch The Boys at some point. But I want to also add, uh, I want to get one of the directors and writers from this short film on to talk about to to, to to promote to talk about them making it um like how how they decided to make it what their process was and everything and then uh and then we could potentially review that once it comes out um i think that'd be a super fun time a super fun episode um but while we're waiting for those uh, co- collaborations to take place um i i think that next week uh we are going to watch the siberian lady Macbeth, um which is a very very strange uh uh, movie set in russia from a polish director um it is vaguely shakespeare uh, inspired it's from the 60s it is absolutely fucking insane so um that is what we'll be listening to next week or watching uh uh, for next week so uh thank you um everyone that's listening and i hope you enjoy the show